repeatedly. That sounded great. There's a fly in my mouth. And his name is Dave. Just perfect. Just how you drew it up a few years ago, huh, asshole? The old name coup, huh? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you do. You sit back sometimes and you're just like, I feel bad for you, man. That's brutal. Sucks. They wrote that thing in The Guardian. They called me Gary five times. You're like, brutal. Brutal, man. I don't know what to tell you, man. Sucks. We're texting back and forth. Sucks, man. I mean, it's bullshit. I'm like, you're a hard shoulder to cry on. Yeah, yeah, yawn away. Yawn away, you son of a bitch. I feel great right now. I bet you do! I have the number one album, comedy album, uh, right now. My name is my name. (laughs) That even took me a second. I was like, why wouldn't it fuck you? Uh, yeah, so if you haven't bought it, uh, it's, What's hot your deal? it's Hothead. Um, so it's called, as you can imagine, that's appropriate. I call it Harry. And uh, <laughs> it's Harry Head. And uh, you can get it on uh, the whatever, all the things. Sure. There isn't specific. one that doesn't have it. Do you, whatever you like. Yeah. Whatever your little thing is. CISO's you like got it. Listen to your little music on. CISO's making a strong CISO. play for it. You can download it at CISO. CISO is... Uh, <laughs> CISO, you guys, CISO's coming back. Let's not, let's not write that off. I don't think we've CISO'd the last of CISO, David. Good Lord. Uh, Thank Um, you guys very much for coming out. We appreciate it. Um, We've been led to believe that if there's a fire, we've just all said that's okay and we're going. so that's cool. So we all hopefully everyone signed their their thing. That's thanks for okay thanks for uh, coming out last night. We were in Charlotte. Um. <laughs> all right, uh, and Dave, don't feed the fire, baby. Were, we can always return. <laughs> there were a lot of there were a lot of people who came alone because they were like, I can't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so that was closet that was dollopers. <laughs> I don't want them to know. <laughs> oh, um, life's a pickle, isn't it? Um, will be uh, uh, If you're listening at home, we're doing a tour of Australia. Uh, we just added. What if you're Ad- listening in the car? I really think if you're, you're eliminating. In the car. If you're listening at work. How about if you're listening? What if you're? If you could be listening while you're having sex. Oh, really oh. weird. All right. Has anybody done that? Has that happened? Yes. <laughs> Whoa, a lot of people said yes. Good Lord. Wow, that's some, that's some Jim Morrison shit right there. That's uh, While drinking blood, yeah, we have a whole thing. Yeah. Um, today someone chastised me on Twitter. They said uh, New Zealand is not part of the Australian tour. It's different, so I would like to say that on the Australian tour, we'll be stopping by New Zealand. Something tells me Dave's going to have a good attitude going in. Part, as part of the Australian tour. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to be in Auckland. You guys, Auckland, uh, you're, you're selling the worst. You're shit. Um, you have a beautiful country, but as far as ticket sales, you're, you're worse than Adelaide. 
who is now doing great. Yeah. Adelaide, uh, Adelaide came around. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so that Adelaide Perth. Uh, no, not yet. Not until they sell out. Not until they sell out. But it's I get like to give bits and pieces, Dave. We'll be in uh, Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, uh, Adelaide, Perth, Gold Coast, Auckland. That's all of them, right? Sure. And then we're gonna and then we're gonna take a couple of days. Did you say Perth? uh, Yep. Okay. Then we're gonna take a couple of days and we're gonna go swim with the fucking turtles or whatever shit you got up north. Yep. You're gonna fuck up some uh, uh, what you like to call the dead Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm you sorry. Is someone is someone uh, telling uh, the truth up here? Here's 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 what's gonna be problematic is when like the bad news coming has come. When we're like, I mean, it's dying, and people are like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> then when it's gone, and it's like, I hope you like bottom fish. <laughs> I like, I like bottom fish. All right, we're done here. Uh, let's I, like, I like a bottom in general. Okay. <laughs> it's like that mermaid we heard about recently. <laughs> That's my lady, a mermaid. That's a callback. That's not working. Um, How many of you guys are actually caught up on the podcast? That's not bad. It's not, that's not good, bad actually. Let's how be, how let's many be. have never heard this and are just here tonight? Hey-oh. Whoa! <laughs> hey! We're going with an A-O. A-O. That's how you know. What do we say here? What's the catchphrase? A-O! A-O! Boy, she pops. A-O! Welcome. <laughs> do you have any idea what this is? I do not. All right. <laughs> How the fuck did you get here having no clue? They're like, come with us. You're like, cool, let's go. I love it. They just shook the keys the whole way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'll be at the Madhouse Comedy Club uh, November 14th, 15th, 16th, something like that. It's a madhouse. Um, just so you guys know, I'm going to let this little secret out now. Episode 300. That's what you've always been waiting for. <laughs> Whoa. It's going to be the one that blows the fucking roof off this motherfucker. What? Is if the roof a zombie? You dreamt about it. You've asked for it. It's coming. All right. All right. Let's calm down, David. Come on. You've cleaned your glasses. You've got a room key. Okay, Dave's, Dave's the, uh, giving out his room key. The game is this. Dave's going to throw it out, and then you got to figure out which room it is. And, um, <laughs> hey, if you get there, you get Dave. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Hey, uh, yeah, if you guys, uh, if anybody catches, can you give it to my wife? Uh, what? <laughs> he didn't throw it, Heather. Hey! C. Hmm? C to C lager. Yep. C. It's like CNC Music Factory, but the beer. If you guys weren't alive uh, for CNC Music Factory, <laughs> really, can I say how really proud I am of really you for having run the jewels open on whatever the fuck you just closed? What happened? You had run the jewels open on whatever you just closed. I'm proud of you. I'm proud. I listen to run the jewels. I know. I know. I might all be right. a lot closer to run the jewels than you could ever imagine. All right. It's all relaxed. Not all of us have DM'd with Killer Mike. Okay. All righty. All righty. Yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna one up you with run the jewels. I don't know what's happening. No 
have to tell you guys. Fred, Frederico over here, and uh, yeah. and he uh, someone fucked him out of a ticket, so we helped him out. Yep. And his mother, who we're allowed to call Macarena, which is nice. Mm-hmm. There we go. She said, she, said uh, cool. she came in the dressing room. She said, uh, who's the one who makes me laugh? <laughs> to be fair, Jeff Dunham was back there. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> oh, you know, we should... Uh... Oh, shit. I wonder Spicy early on this one, huh? <laughs> Good to be in Charlotte's opposite. It is Charlotte. <laughs> oh, no. Um, no. No. <laughs> you didn't tell me this was happening. I didn't. Um, oh, yay. Oh, yay. Uh, <laughs> say, oh, say you're a guy. I'm not a guy. <laughs> and, uh... And, there, and there's, a, there's another guy in another country that's almost exactly like you. And every once in a while he shoots off missiles. And you get... Dave. You get mad and you're like, I'm going to fucking blow your shit up or whatever. Yeah, but Dave. Which you shouldn't do. You shouldn't Dave. say you're going to you know, fucking fuck people's shit up on Twitter sure. or whatever. Sure. Okay, again. Especially if everyone's watching you, if you have so many sure. followers and stuff. Sure, sure. However. Yeah. Who... Who are they going after with these ads? Because we're aiming at one person. I'm and not, that's no, not I'm a talking in general. I'm talking in general. No, you're not. Nobody else has the problem you speak of. One other person, and he's in North Korea. Well, yeah, that guy I'm being very specific about. Yeah, um, and the... All right. Kim is, uh, you know, that guy's off as a rocker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he can't use Talkspace. But I'm talking about in America... If you're if you're Internet. a guy who's like him and you have you have if you're a guy a who's phone, like him if you have a phone or the if internet if you're a or, guy who's like him if you're if you're a guy who can't stay off Twitter and just like basically calls everybody douchebags all day <laughs> this might be good for you so when you pick up Twitter at 3 a.m. when you're on one of your uh, uh, I don't know pill binges here we go you can, all right okay all right okay you can. Okay. You can just, instead okay. of, you can just maybe text your uh, therapist. Sure, sure. Instead of, instead of texting, you know, about, about just, you know. We know who this is, and it's very... It's not Joe Biden. It's not, I'm not, I, it's a Wait, general... Is it? It's a, no, it's the not. It's, time. A, it's not Joe Biden. It's a general sort of just person. It's not yeah. a specific person. Sure. So I'm saying uh, right. a support for the doll comes from Talkspace, the mm-hmm. online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, red, <laughs> red hair, you can pick up no, wait a minute. an experienced licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. How's he going to relate to a therapist? This hypothetical man you speak of <laughs> who lives in Washington, D.C. and well, has as much power as the leader of North Korea. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, you don't know, do you? No. Well, maybe you're bummed because your property in Florida got a little messed up. Dude. So it got wet, really fucked up by the winds and the, and the storm. So each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and can talk to you about your properties. And they've, com- they've completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. I mean, call them up and say, hey, I tried to 
tried to build a, a hotel in Mo- Moscow, Dude. and it did. It did. It's I- illegal, but Dude. I need to talk to somebody about Dude. that. So, to match with your perfect Dave. therapist, go to talkspace.com/dollop and Dave. show your support for this podcast. David, use code Dave. dollop Dave. to get thirty dollars off your first Dave. month. I know who it is. No. No, you don't. You don't. Because it's general and being very sort of loose with who this person is. Don't believe you are. That's dollop and talkspace.com slash dollop. That's where you go to. (sighs) You know, you think you're smart and then you know shit, but you don't know. This is one of the only topics I'm familiar with. (laughs) Buy our book. Let's go. (laughs) July 11th! Eighteen seventy-nine. All right. The year of our Lord. Oh shit! Let's do that. You're listening to the dollar. Glasses on. You forgot about it. Your glasses are up. Like you prepped. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Once a week, I do. I, Dave Anthony, number one ranked comedy maker. Uh, I'm okay with this one. Stella drinker. Enough. New shoelace buyer. Dave Anthony reads a story from American history to a guy he met on another podcast. (laughs) Named Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. 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 My glasses aren't getting clean. That's the problem. They're all... July 11th, 1876? Nope. 1896? Nope. 1895? Jesus Christ. 1879. Yeah, there you go. Congratulations. Everyone else yelled it at you. The person who picks the prize on The Price is Right still gets it with audience help, Dave. I'll see you in Plinko, motherfucker. Gaston Bullock Means was born. Whoa! <laughs> Anybody know? Wow. Was born on his family's plantation, Black Welders Spring, near Concord, North Carolina. Okay. What's up, Concord? Where my C's at? <laughs> right? No. She's nope. Go conquered. Go the uh. fighting seas. Yeah, fighting seas. The big. His grandfather, W. C. Means, was uh, called the general. Okay. He was a rich plantation owner before the Civil War, but not so much after. Because it turns changed? out. It, yeah, the thing about the plantations is after the Civil War, I'm what not happened? sure why they lost value, but they did. Mm. So then they were hard to keep up because uh, you couldn't um, own people. <laughs> Gaston's father, William, uh, was a lawyer and longtime mayor of Concord. Sure. 
Uh, he married... Not a big deal to be a mayor when there's like a hundred people in your world. I don't know. How big is Concord? Is that a big city? Yeah. It is? All right. All right. They don't get all fucking weird. We always say put the pessimists in back. Yeah. yeah hey. No, it's not. Um, he married Coralie Bullock, who uh, was also Wait. from a prominent Southern family. And Wait. Who's... Bullock? Bullock? Bullock. They're both Bullocks? Uh, what? Was he not a Bullock? No, he's a means. Was his middle name not Bullock? Oh, it was. Yeah, what the fuck's going on, dude? Who reads the stories? Oh, but, but, spelled, but spelled differently. Oh, so it's cool. <laughs> How did they not? It's got to be a huge topic of conversation. That's your lead-up. You're a Bullock. Different spelling. Do you want a shot? How you doing? <laughs> While you're fucking, you're like, call me Bullock. <laughs> What is he after the last L? <laughs> uh, so she was also from a prominent Southern family whose grandfather had actually been a Confederate general. Okay. And uh, they, uh, they lost. I know a lot of... Yeah. Yeah. A lot of... A lot of people... Some, some places, A lot of people down here don't think they yeah, did. Yeah, some places. So, would anybody here uh, at the statue pull down uh, thing? That's my guy. Okay. Uh... Gaston was raised in a large three-story Victorian house in Concord. He had three more brothers and sisters. The boys were all said to be charming uh, when they wanted to be, but also were called, quote, meaner than hell. That's not charming. You put on the charm, and then you stab a a guy in the eye or whatever. What? Is that happening? Yeah. Get on board. (laughs) No. Both Gaston's grandfather and father apparently also had the same sort of disposition. Okay. So it's a family of fucking assholes. Right. Gaston stole money from his mother's purse uh, when the family maid was fired for the theft. He called it his first satisfying experience. Okay. So this is just right off the bat a demented human. (laughs) We... We have a hero. Yeah. Hard to not like this fella. <laughs> Finally! Something that made me feel. <laughs> uh, Gaston, uh, when he was a church-going kid. He went to All Saints Episcopal. That's a great school, though. Church. Uh, in 1898, Gaston went to the University of North Carolina. <laughs> Speaking for the rest of the country, we don't care. A little specific. You guys, why don't you guys take it easy? All right, we get, we get, we get your basketball teams. We get the whole thing. We're we're not. We don't care. We've got bigger fish to fry right now. Let's all same page it for a couple years, huh? (laughs) Christian Leitner was a douchebag. All right. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. Oh, God. <laughs> Christian Leitner's here, Whoa. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Still wants a foul. Still? I mean... Asking for a foul. A great, a great 30 for 30, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. The yeah. Leitner 30 for 30. Yeah. Come on. All right. Okay. Gaston, uh, so he studied pre-law at North Carolina. He was uh, very sociable, and in his second year, he won election to the Dialectic Society, sure. which uh, is a big deal. I think it's still a big deal, right? Yeah. 
Yep. Okay. Yep. Four so people like think so. It's a debate. Sort of, yeah. Okay. It's a debate uh, sort of deal? A debate situation. It's a debate situation. Right? Is that all it is? The debate sort of? Sure. Okay. Great. Nobody, nobody fucking cares. Like, get to this shit where someone kills someone. Yeah. <laughs> the eye stabbing. Uh, he was also very good at football. Uh, Though, and he joined the team, though he was super lazy and didn't put in any effort. <laughs> he had the size, he was almost six feet tall and 200 pounds, but he totally lacked effort, which carried over to his schooling, and he quit school in his third so, year. So we're talking about Rudy's opposite. Yeah. <laughs> he's got size, skill, and he's like, I'm out of here. I'm anti Rudy's two and a half feet, like, give me a shot! <laughs> Come on, coach, put me in! Oh my God! He's so little. That's my favorite line from that movie. He's so little. Just John Favreau yelling, "He's so little." <laughs> Could watch that all day. Okay, I don't think that's healthy. So naturally, after after leaving school, after quitting school and not getting a degree, he took a job as a superintendent of schools. Oh, great, perfect. And here's so he's a, a DeVos. Here's a city I don't know how to. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. She's doing good work. Oh, she's fine. Uh, by the way, for the record, how many grizzly bear attacks since she got put into office? Oh, that's right. Zero. None. Zero. None. Zero. Okay. Promise kept, assholes. Uh, let's see if I say this right. Uh, Albemarle? Al- Albemarle? Albemarle. All right. Albemarle, North Carolina. Uh, he stayed up, so he's a superintendent of schools, even though he didn't. Wait, uh, what graduate. is Auburn? What is that? It's the city. He was a superintendent. Oh, okay. Right, he I'm stayed on the job for two years. His father had become an attorney for a textile business, and after two years, Gaston quit his superintendent job to work for the textile company as a traveling salesman. All right. Yeah, now there we're we moving. Go. There yeah. we go. Textile time. Uh, so while working as a traveling salesman, he moved to New York City, and in 1909, he requested a transfer to Chicago when his girlfriend filed a. $25,000 breach of promise lawsuit against him. <laughs> what promise so, did he breach? Back in the day, if someone said they wanted to marry you and then they didn't, you could sue them. Oh my God. <laughs> Holy shit. That means you can't you still, drink. Wait, you still can? Still can? That's still a thing? If someone says, I want to marry you and it doesn't, you can still sue them? I could sue Dave? Hey. Uh, no, I'm gonna I'll marry see you, you at court. I'm going to marry you. Sweetie. Hey. Come on. <laughs> I hate fighting. <laughs> uh, but the suit was dropped because Gaston had no money. That's, Boy, that's, wow. Yeah. She missed out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gaston quickly discovered he did not like Chicago and went to New York as soft, often as he could. On one trip to New York... So he's on a train. Sure. He fell from a supposedly defective Pullman sleeping berth and was knocked unconscious. Wait, he like on a on a night on like a train that's going quite a distance. Yep. He fell out of the sleep he, car. He rolled out of the sleep he, car. Oh, what a nightmare! And uh, hit his head apparently. Oh my god! Um, and knocked out. A classmate of Gaston said the fall changed his personality. Was he nice? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he suddenly had a soul. Yeah. <laughs> He I'm hit so his sorry. head on the yeah. he hit his head on the floor and a soul went into him. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a douche. <laughs> 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 so many apologies. 
Uh, Gaston sued the Pullman Company in 1911, but lost. Uh, It is also said he cut the support chains himself and had taken out several accident insurance policies before he left Chicago. Well, he had a premonition. Sometimes people feel that coming. They're like, I'm going to fall out of a sleepy train hammock. If I'm going to sleep high on a train, you better believe I'm going to take out 20 accident insurance policies. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. He met another lady, Julie Patterson. I fell too. (laughs) And they got married on uh, October 14th, 1913. Okay. She was uh, a 23-year-old debutante from Oak Park, Illinois. Sure. In 1914, the writing was on the wall. He was about to be fired from his sales job. He wrote that on a wall? Yep. (laughs) I'm about to be fired from my sales job. We don't communicate properly. Look at the wall! Uh, Why don't we communicate better? (laughs) Why don't you go fuck yourself? Somebody should. Holy shit, I am so hot right now. Oh, so this is what gets you off? Right? I am on the so wall? hard. Well, listen, let's do so this. So hard. Okay, stop writing uh, your heart. Well, turn around and do something. I came. Come on, why not? Let's do this. I need to take off my pants. I, I'll take them off, but I can't no. write when I'm doing it. Can I stop writing? I had an orgasm. You already did it? I'm, I'm tired now. Jesus Christ. Gassed on, gassed off. I would like... So, he... What happened? Keep going. <laughs> so, he, uh, he was about to be fired uh, from his sales job, so he quits before they could fire him. But at that point, he was actually making great money, but he wanted a job with more adventure. So he started working for the New York Detective, detective Agency of William J. Burns. Is that how that works? I, I mean, want to be a detective now. All righty. <laughs> Here's your hat and your trench coat. Let us know if you find anything. <laughs> It, it just seems like a time where you could just do whatever you wanted. Yeah, okay. You didn't need to go to school. I'm a or... fireman. <laughs> <laughs> I breed parrots. <laughs> no, you actually do. You can say any job. I breed parrots. All right. It's true what they say about the parrot folk. I mean, I mean, I breed. That's them. why you can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know Want to I mean? see a man parrot? No. Ah, kill me. <laughs> That's my boy. Uh, so this detective, William James Burns, was an ex-chief of the Secret Service. Okay. He quickly, Gaston quickly picked up and learned he had a knack for the more sordid aspects of private detective work. That's bad. That's got a bad ring to it. Like breaking and entering. Okay, that's shady. Bribery. Shady. Extortion. Shade. And wiretapping. Shady. <laughs> He became one of the agency's best detectives. Because he's shady as fuck. That's yeah. what happened. The shady people are the ones where you're like, look, he's crazy. Let him go. Yeah. Even as a detective, Gaston uh, met, early on as a detective, he met uh, Maud King. She was an alcoholic widow who was very wealthy and extremely stupid. <laughs> like the perfect combo. Just dumb and drunk and rich. <laughs> Something tells me our hero isn't Gaston. 
Within just a few weeks of meeting her, Gaston had talked Mrs. King into making him her business manager. Here we go. Let me be in charge of it. It sounds good. Yeah. yeah. I've been looking for someone to do that. I'll sign whatever. <laughs> What's, what was that? What are you doing? Very good. Good morning. What? What's going on? I should give you stuff. <laughs> do you like gin? Uh, money. Money's good too. <laughs> also, I have money. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that noise? <laughs> oh my god, hello. <laughs> I've been here the Jen? whole time. Yes. I should sign stuff. No, there's some contracts there. <laughs> what is that? I was asleep again. <laughs> Good God, it's a snore. Okay. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't encourage him. Feed me. Um, so she, she trusts him with all her affairs. Like well, everything. she seems to have a good handle on what she needs. Well, she's stupid. Sure, and drunk. And drunk. She's drunk and stupid. Drunk and stupid. Right. It's a terrible right. combination. Yep. Um, someone just got sad about that. Yeah. Someone was like, oh, come yeah. on. I'm right come here. On. <laughs> That's what got me on cops. <laughs> now, all the while, Gaston's reputation as a detective is increasing. His reports are packed with clues. I got a lead. Which necessitate him investigating more. Uh-huh. So he's writing up all these reports that have a lot of stuff that need to be followed up on. Uh-huh. Okay. With Imagine no basis, I'm guessing? <laughs> no, not really. Right, okay. Sounds about right for the dollop. Just before World War I started, Gaston was approached by the, the secret head of German espionage in the U.S. Jesus, what? The secret? What? Oh, he's, 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 you know, he's a, he's a spy fella. Oh, so they hired Gaston to investigate the British, which is at this point totally legal because we're not at war with Germany. So right. you can hire a guy to look to find out what the British are doing. Okay. But at the same time, the British hired Burns to look into German activities in New York. Oh, boy. So it's spy v. spy. No, this was a great setup. Burns would just give information about the British to uh. Gaston, and Gaston would give information about the... So it's German's spy, heart spy. Just <laughs> Germans to the British, and then... This is unbelievable intelligence you've brought back. Sassaro. We're very pleased with what you found out about the Germans. How do you do it? <laughs> they, would, they just came up with tons of foreign plots that were always happening. And they included the forged documents they were using and fake spies they were meeting. Oh, wait. So they're, so they're just, just writing spy journals? They're just making up tons of shit and giving it to the Germans and the British and just fucking cashing checks. Oh, my God. Like, it's the greatest scam ever. Um... So they're just rolling in money. Like, right. And they always needed, every time they came up with something, they always needed, the British would be like, we need more money to get into this. And they just kept throwing them money. Okay. Gaston used the German money to rent an entire floor of a fancy Manhattan hotel for himself. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a douche. Douche move. In April 1915, Gasson attracted the attention of the national press when he created a scheme for a propaganda scoop for the Germans. Okay. So he comes up with this. The idea 
was to, sh- to, was to show that American captains were providing German sailing dates to British warships. Wait. So Americans are getting, uh, are getting information about the Germans and giving it to the British. That's okay. the idea. Okay, that sounds cool. So he was, try- he was trying to make it seem like uh, U.S. neutrality laws were being broken. Okay. So he's just playing British. everyone. <laughs> he's trying to show the British are bad. Right. But then the media looked into it, and they were like, well, that's not happening. Okay. And then he was kind of in the press. Everyone's like, well, you're kind of a dick. So he's been outed. He's been outed a little bit. As a dick. So as he does all this, he keeps trying to work the Widow King. That's quite a name, Widow King, by the way. Is that the kind of of show we're going to have today? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Is that, is that any way to, to celebrate my album coming out? Yeah, mazel. Um, <laughs> so he drained her bank accounts. Okay. Um, so he's still cool. Yeah, he's great. great. Uh, she had no idea that, he was, that she's almost out of money. And then... Uh, and then uh, How do you not know when you're like in that era? Well, she, it's not like a debit. Well, he's handling all the money. He's got all the fucking so books and everything. So she just has 100% faith in yeah, this Yeah, he's, he's investing. He right. says he's investing her money, but he's right. just taking it. Right. So she thinks that he's... <laughs> Imagine a world. <laughs> Imagine if that could... Imagine yeah, if that happened. What a crazy thing yeah. that would be. Um, and then he found out where the real money was. The biggest asset she had was... Her decanter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the biggest asset she had was three million dollars from her husband that uh, was willed to a trust uh, to endow a rest home for old men. So there was three million dollars she had to build an old folks home it's for dudes. A, it's in a trust, yeah. Sure. And it was literally, it was actually called the James C. King Home for Old Men. <laughs> Just, it's literally before people started trying. They're like, just be specific. What is it? All right, great. We'll call it that. Okay, so, but she has done nothing to put that in. Well, She's in just tr- been ginned up. It's in a trust. It's in the will. It's in a trust. That's where all that money is supposed to go. But she has the money that he left to her. No, he didn't leave it to her. It oh, was, it's it, just... It's, she's, she's, you know, part of overseeing the trust, but it's in a trust. Okay. Like, she can't get that money. It's going, right. to, the, it's going to the old men. But she's men. not building an old folks' home. It's the old men's money. No, it's already there. The old folks' home already exists for old men. So then what the fuck is the money for? Well, <laughs> well, it used to be James King's money, so now Gaston wants it. But how does he get... It's already well, been spent. No, it's, it's being slowly allocated. Okay, the so there's still more. So, there we go. I'm getting it now. I mean, you guys get what I have to work with, right? I'm all upside, baby. Hang with me. So, in 1917, Gaston forged a will that supposedly left... This is not legal. All, all of the three million to the widow king instead of the old man home. I mean, it's just... When it's called the old man home, it's like... It's, it's hard to... It's where old okay, men so were. Okay, so instead he's like, it's her money. Yeah, also, basically. she wants to withdraw it. Oh, also, he, I'll do it. Hey, look, I found, I found a will. Well, what are the odds? It was right here underneath all these snacks. 
Hang in there, Gaston. You got this clothes, baby clothes. It doesn't look like... Her signature? Or anybody's. Well, then it can't be mine. Didn't take much to convince uh, the Widow King that it was real. And then he submitted it for probate. The officers of the trust dismissed the the will as forged. (laughs) On what grounds? (laughs) Fuck, I wrote it left-handed. What do they want? Excuse me, this was under snacks. (laughs) Obviously. That's why it's got uh, nutshells on it. Legal nutshells. Hang in there, Gaston. You got this. This is a waiting game. Look him in the eyes. The shells look him is in the very eyes. specific. Look him in the eyes. Don't look go. away. Don't look away. Oh, Who's shit. Gas- I'm saying this out loud. Who's gasping? Cover Who's this gas- by saying you're Who's talking gas- to your friend. Oh, my God. I hear two of them. Blame it on Bluetooth. I'm hearing two voices in my head. Oh, boy. Here we go again. Which one is this. real? Which one is real? Kill him, Gaston. Gaston? Are you going to take Kill that? Kill him, Gaston. Are you going to fucking take that, take Gaston? Take his life, Gaston. Who are you, son are of a bitch? Are we both evil? I will show hey, you who the better one of us Gaston is. good? I was in darkness! Jesus Christ, while well, I'm with I him. come from Concord! A small but large city! My name's Danny. I, uh... <laughs> I had no idea who I was fighting in your head tonight, but, uh... Hey, Danny. Uh, Have you seen the other Gaston? (laughs) Is this another Gaston? (laughs) How'd you get in here? Let's go back to the story. (laughs) I feel like we took shrooms. (laughs) So, after the trust says the will is forged, Gaston tried to get a former U.S. Supreme Court justice to pursue the case, but he was like, no, that's stupid. It's forged. It's forged. This is all dumb. You're a fucking idiot. Okay. Do you have any friends who want to help? <laughs> he was getting worried because he had spent most of the widow's money. Oh, and, boy. And if she realized it, then How he'd be screwed. How are you spending screwed. that much money back then? It wasn't... I don't know if she had $3 million to spend, but she had a lot. Well, how does he spend Everything it? was a dime. He's fucking... He's also living... But he's also living like... This is a 99 guy... 99-cent store. You'd be like, what? <laughs> Everything? Rip off. But he, he's a guy that cannot stop spending money. Like, he's just always spending money. He's okay. got the top floor of that, yeah, that, hotel, that hotel. And right. he's just, he just never stopped spending money. Okay. So, I mean, think this is like, this is like a, a Nick Cage. <laughs> Think about it like that. Well, you've done a good job. Now I see him. Um, I want the whole floor. <laughs> All of it. Uh, so he's worried if the Widow King finds out, he'll be screwed. Uh, and the Widow met a naval officer, and they wanted to get married. What? So Gaston and his family... How old's well, the naval officer? I don't know. I couldn't find out. I think he's also up to some shenanigans. No, he might have been an old guy, just like some old, How old, old lady she? parts. Um, she's, she's, she's pretty old. Okay, she's that's an, what she's I thought Right, and, okay. And then, you know, a naval officer could be old. You don't know. I mean, he's for sure he's not like, he's not like 20. He's probably rocking 70 or whatever. Okay. So he's I not just active. Assume. I mean, because... Well, it there's wasn't... no way the 70-year-old's like active duty. <laughs> I oh. forgot the code. Oh my god. It depends on uh, 
<laughs> oh my god. Well, he's probably active duty with the widow, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Torpedo launch. <laughs> I feel you, Dave. All hands on deck. <laughs> Oh, we're talking oh, about God. sex. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to say sorry to the baby. How great would it be if the baby's first word was like... Baby's yeah. gone? Baby's gone. Oh, so. fucking baby. It was, such a, it was such a nice, cute little baby. And then it had to fucking come in here and be like, I don't like people laughing. They were giving it a lot of beer. Well, maybe baby's in back. <laughs> that, baby, that baby was shit-faced. Yeah. Um, so his, his solution to this problem is to go on vacation with his family uh-huh. and bring the widow king with them. Okay. Uh, he got her by telling her that her life was in danger and she had to come with him. Okay. Cool, cool stuff. So it's like an escape room, but your life. Yeah. Cool. Since they were uh, uh, on vacation, Gaston took the widow into the woods to go rabbit hunting. Well... As, as is a North Throwing Carolina tradition. You know what? Why don't I take the drunk old lady rabbit hunting? You know what I mean? Get her out there in the woods for a minute. She was said Where to no be, one's around. She was said to be very scared of guns, but decided to go anyway. Cool. Well, something tells me she's not going to get over that fear. <laughs> and sadly, what on happened? August 29th... Accidental. Maud King had an... Hunting accident. Uh-huh. A very sad Gaston carried her out of the woods. Oh my God! I killed or oh God! Thank God we got that out in rehearsal. <laughs> oh my God! She shot herself. There we go. There we go. I'm gonna write that on my palm just to make sure I don't fuck that up. That's key. He described what happened when he came out. Oh no! Quote: As we came near the spring, she handed me her gun. I said I wanted a drink of water from the spring. I placed her gun in the crotch of a tree and told her not whoa, to touch it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I told you this tree was going to get hot. I told you this was going to get hot. I put the gun in the tree's dick and I was ready to drink water from the river. He, t- he puts it in the tree, tells her not to touch it. Just as I was stooping down for a drink of water... Oh, what did she do? Out of the corner of my eye... The old bitty! I noted her reaching for the gun. No! And I called out to her not to touch it, because it was loaded. Oh, no! What are the odds? Then I took a drink, and next, next thing I know, I heard a shot. She was shot in the back of the head. She... She was just up there playing with a rifle. Big, big, boom, what happens all the time. She shot herself execution style in the woods. As happens, as happens, as happens. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't teach someone gun safety. She did it from 30 yards away, too, which blew my mind. The lady had elastic arms. She was hunting a bird or something. Again, I missed a lot of it. I was having a sip of water after she grabbed it. You don't see that coming, dude. Nobody prepares you for a lady shooting herself in the back of the head. From 30 yards. From 30 yards away. Well, I'm sure you've heard it a million times. (laughs) 
shot herself in the back. I mean, it's you hard. have time to think. It's hard to do. Shot in the back of the head. Well, because you pick up your gun and you're like, woo, flipping it around. I mean, is it possible? Do that. I feel like we're you watching try to, You try to put it in your backpack, right? Or just you try to tuck it down your shirt like you see in movies. The back of your shirt. Right next to your spine, like they teach you in the NRA How classes. far away are we from this guy, like, saying that his butt has a hand, her butt had a hand on it? Like, she grabbed it! There were, back then, people did have butt hands. A bunny jumped on the gun and pulled the trigger. You've heard it a million times, officers. I'm sure you guys get this all the time, but the old drunk lady... She accidentally shot herself in the back of the head. I mean, I mean, how did he be so dumb? Yeah, but she probably tried to start running away, although she's like 70. Dude, I've watched enough forensic files. You close. He just, he didn't close. She was running away like, I can't run. I would imagine he went to shoot and she turned at the last minute and he shot her in the back of the head. Well, then you do. Although, what am I saying? It was an accident. They forensic shit back then. You can make a better, I mean, you probably could say like the front. No. And they'd be like, oh, well, I mean, basically there's a hole. They're not that stupid. Uh, Have you heard about this guy? Uh, so it's really obviously hard to shoot yourself in the back of the head. Is also, there were no powder marks on her head, which meant she had somehow shot herself from a distance. She was 30 yards away. Oh, my God. This is as lazy as you get with a murder. And the man was laying down sipping lemonade, from what we could tell. Really? Well, you guys are good. Oh, boy. The coroner's office ruled the death an accident. <laughs> Who's, is the coroner alive? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he must have paid him off. I don't... So she's taken to Chicago and buried, which is where she's from. But the prosecutor is not having it, and neither is the news media. The Northern Trust Company, who was overseeing the $3 million for the old man home, got uh-huh. involved and said the will had been forged. So the widow's body is exhumed. Okay. And the Chicago coroner said it was impossible to shoot yourself in the back of the head. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. Here at Logic Brothers Corners. I see the problem here. The guy, uh, the North Carolina uh, coroner is a fucking asshole. She swallowed a bullet. And then it blew off the back. And then she drank sarsaparilla. So you've heard it a million, <laughs> a million something. <laughs> Gaston was then arrested in North Carolina. Investi- investigation started in New York and Illinois, where it was learned that he had drained her accounts. And the North Carolina prosecutor allowed the Northern Trust Company to hire lawyers to help the case. Okay. Good. Gaston was insulted by the accusations. It is insulting. I mean, he's been through a lot. He yeah. just murdered an old woman, and now his, this. His old friend just got killed. Imagine the, the, the trauma if you're just out 
David, in a thinking forest, about, and thinking a woman about, that you are care for, thinking about who that you just one took sip. rabbit hunting, manages to blow the back of her fucking head off. That's, and, and like, you're, you're that's you're how playing, stupid she was. You're replaying that sip in your head. You're going, if I just took one sip less, <laughs> then she wouldn't have thrown the gun 30 yards into a tree <laughs> and spun around twice. Why did she do it? Why did she throw the gun? 30 yards into a tree and spin around twice. Man, you've heard it. So Gaston is insulted. Quote, there is going to be a day of reckoning for those who are responsible for such insinuations. Uh As a southern gentleman, I brand them as dastardly, and I mean to defend the name of the woman who is dead and unable to protect herself. Yep. Guess whose back I've got. At the trial, Gaston, saying he was protecting her honor, claimed that the widow king had committed suicide. Yeah, okay, well now we're getting to it. <laughs> she did all protecting. How dare you say that she was murdered? I'm, I am protecting her honor. She <laughs> killed herself. Why am I picturing Courtney Love in a forest? <laughs> <laughs> She might be listening. (laughs) Laying face down in vomit. (laughs) Like she wrote one fucking song on Hole. Like she wrote one... He wrote all the songs. And then she killed him. I guess we get the name Hole, finally. Talk about a divided bit. <laughs> it's like half a Charlotte jumped in the room. I've said this once and I'll say it a million times. Anybody who fucks Billy Corrigan is a monster. It's like fucking a giant baby. So, Gaston also claimed that the case had been uh, created by German spies because of his work against them. I mean, this is, 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 has anybody been less prepared to explain what happened? Now he's like, it was the Germans. It's like, wait, what the fuck? You shot her in the back of the head. No, Germany did. You got this, Gaston. Keep the heart rate down and you'll pull through, baby. Just <laughs> so stick that landing. Nobody minds a little turbulence. Just stick that landing. Hey, what are we doing? Hmm? Hi. Oh, no. <laughs> I got high. We really got, yeah, our, we really got ourselves into a pickle. Uh-huh. Say I did it. Say I did it. Scream it. Scream it. Say Do it. Do not. Germans. <laughs> what are you Look, pointing? It's moving. It is moving. What the fuck? That, dude. It's, too, it's, it's like a fucking haunted Pepsi beer can. It's moving. My beer is just slipping and sliding like it's those Pepsi cans. What the cans. fuck is that? I'm telling you, I don't. Look at this. It's like beep bopping. Look at this shit. <laughs> is it T Rex? <laughs> 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 
Yes. All right, let's keep going because people listening will be like, cool, let's... Uh... <laughs> Haunted beer can. All right, so uh, his lawyers whipped up uh, the jury's hostility, right? Yep. Lawyers get the, the jury all upset against the fancy New York Northern Trust Company lawyers who are going after him, right? Okay, the prosecutor so the attack dogs in, are out. Well, the prosecutor bought in these fucking private lawyers, so they're like, what are the Yankees doing here? Okay. Um, in the end, that did it. Gaston was acquitted. <sighs> Shocker. After going into the forest, hunting rabbits with a woman, and coming out, having shot her in the back of the head. Wait a minute, I know what happened. A rabbit jumped on the back of her head. <laughs> a mission's a mission. But Gaston's legal troubles were not over. He was then tried for forging the Widow King's will. <laughs> It turns out he was a terrible forger. And it didn't ha- help that the Will's witnesses had been out of town when they supposedly signed it. Mm. <laughs> okay. This was also before typing and handwriting, uh, handwriting experts testified the Will was forged. So it's not looking good for Gaston, and he realizes this. So What's then, his play? He then tries Anyone to... want to go rabbit hunting? <laughs> I'm thinking of getting a big group together. <laughs> you guys should join so he tries to make a bargain he goes to the army and he says if they help him out he would give them a trunk full of information that he had trunk full is quite a sell this is just receipts Mm -hmm. fill the trunk it's a trunk right open it up pretty sweet trunk what's in trunk number two nothing Tempting. So the army made the deal. Okay. In exchange cool. for the trunk, the forgery charges were dropped. Okay. Gaston was. So a they're, f- they're trusting a forger with trunk evidence. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Well, I got a good vibe from you. Oh yeah, I got forger. I got so much shit in there. Yeah. I can put more in. I can well, don't <laughs> overfill the trunk. Let us figure it out too. I was up forging all night. Chunk's Sorry, good to you go. were up forging? For, or foraging? Yes. Foraging. I was looking for rabbits. Foraging. I was going to be like, hey, well, we made a shitty deal. Now open that trunk. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was foraging. I was foraging for rabbits and old, old ladies' heads. <laughs> when the trunk was opened by military... So he brings the trunk to D.C. You ready? Right? He gives it to military intelligence who open it up, and it, it's empty. Yeah. <laughs> The fucking balls on this guy are insane. You could, why? I don't understand. Not is. I mean, he's just like a rebel, right? Because you'd think that you'd just put some stuff in there and be like, I don't know, it's a bunch of magazines, but I think that means something to them. They'd be like, okay, all right, well, we will comb through these. Thank you. Instead, he's like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you guys, but thank you again. All right. Take care. Thank anyway, you. Guys, I'll see you later. You guys are Call me acquitted. You know what I'm talking about? All righty. Gaston explained to military intelligence that at least a platoon of foreign agents had jumped him from behind and emptied the trunk. Well, you're not going to believe this one. <laughs> I love that a platoon came up behind him. A this platoon. is the man who literally doesn't think his lie through until he's saying it. 
A bunch of uh, giraffes mauled my mom. And I had to set up a flower thing. Hang in there, baby. Hang in there. You Just complete this. the pass when you need to, Gaston. You got this. You are fucking nailing this. This giraffes. Here we go. Look at them. They don't know what giraffes no, are. Really? Kidding. Hey, we're killing this. Oh, yeah. Hey. Hey, man. How are you? Good. Good. I didn't know you were in here. No, I'm here. I'm here. It's finally taking a little me time. <laughs> <laughs> So Gaston uh, goes back to North Carolina and tries to settle down again, but he missed the action of the big city, so he moved moved back to New York. When he got there, he tried to expose his old German contacts to U.S. military intelligence, but after the old empty trunk trick, they didn't want to have much to do with him. Why don't you just put something in the trunk? I mean, how hard is it to put a few things in the trunk? Just forge a bunch of shit. Do whatever! Just throw leaves in it and be but like, remember, oh. you got to go back to the football thing. He's super fucking lazy. Yeah. So but it's just a like, trunk. Yeah, yeah. I know. You go to someone's house and you're like, yeah, give me this book and this dish. Oh, two candles. Yeah, yeah. This will be fine. They'll be like confused. Don't show up with nothing and be like, man, you should have <laughs> seen them. Platoons, right? Uh, the weirdest part, they left me the trunk. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> Why'd I bring it in? Boy, a lot of questions. Oh. Thank you, darling. Day Blaze. Day Blazer. Day Blazer. Michael Connell. Like All right, everybody take it easy. Um... He did manage to get him... So after all that, he still managed to, to talk himself in, in front of a Senate committee Who's li- how to is talk this about happening? the Germans. But uh, the committee denied everything he brought, all okay. the evidence. Right. So in 1916, Gaston and his wife had, uh, had had a daughter, uh-huh. right, who they named Sister. Oh. <laughs> What's... Ha- I mean, you just... Uh, uh, <laughs> I told you he's lazy. Yeah, but still, Sister... <laughs> Well, they were thinking of girl. Uh, the next year, they had a son, Billy. What? Why does Billy get a name? <laughs> the fuck? How hard is it to just be like, eh, also Billy? To Billy. I mean, at least go in a direction. Yeah, no, I hear you. This is sister and Billy. Boy, I really named that. I really named the shit out of that first one. They are getting... You know what? If your second attempt is Billy and people can say, great stride. The first one wasn't good. Hey, you're coming along. Yeah. This is my third son, Xavier! Yeah. But when the doctors go to deliver it, he's like, actually, there's no baby. A bunch of platoon guys on the way here. Vicious folk they were. So, in 1921, tragedy struck and sister died. Gaston was inconsolable. Uh, as he did every time things went bad, he returned to North Carolina. But... <laughs> Interesting. After a couple of months, he was like, oh, I've had enough of this, and he All went right. back to Chicago. Where so he it was be- basically like a charging station. Yeah. 
He'd always go back to North Carolina to regroup, and then he would go back out and do his, his great shit in the world. So he goes to Chicago and becomes friends with a lawyer who he starts doing investigative work for. So now he's back to being an investigator. Yeah, which he wasn't before. Right. Right. So he goes back to bullshitting full-time. Yeah, he was a maker-upper. Right. Professionally again. When he found out the lawyer was expecting a uh, $50,000 settlement for a case, Gaston said he just happened to be traveling in that direction and could pick the money up and bring it back. Hey, man. You'll hurt your back. I'm headed that way. So he's going to wherever it is to get the money, and then he's going to supposed to bring it back personally. Cool. Well, sounds mm. like you could trust this guy. So after Gasson got the money... You're he, not going to believe this. He mailed it using the Southeastern Express Company. When the lawyer opened up the package, inside was just a block of wood. I, this is... He's all over the map. Why can't you cover your tracks a little bit more? This is an era where it's not that difficult to kind of get away with some of this shit, probably. But he's just putting blocks of wood or nothing or just shooting in the back of the head. <laughs> the lawyer, the oh, lawyer no. sued Gaston, and Gaston then sued the Southeastern Express Company, saying the clerk must have done it. They wooded us! <laughs> Somehow, the case never went to trial. Really? And Gasson went on a six-month spending binge. Where'd he get the money? (laughs) Warren G. Harding was elected president. I wish we didn't have the Harding there. Warren G. Warren G. was elected president in 1920. Be great to eject him. He ran on the promise of a, quote, return to normalcy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that apparently meant returning to corruption. Sure. Well, we always circle back. Uh, in 1921, Gaston's old detective agency boss, William Burns, called because he was up for being named the head of the Justice Department Bureau of Investigation. Oh, boy. Naturally, he wanted Gaston's help. Oh, no. Gaston was in, and he began uh, his job was to get letters of recommendation for Burns to give to President Harding from every congressman he could. So Gaston did this by digging up dirt on all the congressmen. Oh, my God. And then blackmailing them into writing letters, and Burns got the job. Now, the Bureau of Investigation is the predecessor to the FBI. Uh-huh. So Burns immediately So pointed... we never really were able to, like, stop anything. It was always just, like, all you had to do was be like, uh, Sir, I believe she shot herself in the back of the head. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> sir, when I brought that uh, trunk back, I was assaulted by a platoon of men, sir. I don't know what you want me to tell you. I'm the victim here, sir. I wish it was full of the things. Yes, Senator, it was a block of wood. That's right. (laughs) Truth is, I don't know how it happened, and my spending spree after that was my way of coping. (laughs) Confirmed. Ah. So... Burns immediately appointed Gaston as a special investigator. No, he's special. A lower official in the department, who was named J. Edgar Hoover, was Mm. disgusted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Now... He was disgusted? Yeah. Boy, when J. Edgar Hoover's your hero, (laughs) what sort of mud are you in? (laughs) Fill the swamp. So, uh... 
So Gaston fit in perfectly with what became known during the Harding administration as, quote, the Department of Easy Virtue. Uh, Dave, please. What? Well, they were, they were a little shady. What, I mean, they, they're so shady. Yeah. Virtue. That'll I mean, do. Gaston immediately hired an informer, pocketed the informer's salary, and started taking bribes from bootleggers. So he belongs where he is. <laughs> On January 19, uh, uh, 1922, Gasson was selling Justice Department investigation reports to criminals who were in them. So he, he would read about a Justice he would look, read a Justice Department report, and they would call up the criminal who was in it and be like, "You want you want this? What do you want to do?" And they'd sell it. Then he'd sell it. Well, to listen, him. I'm telling you, I got a platoon cover that you're gonna love. He put word out to the criminal world that he could fix federal prosecutions, though he had no intention of doing so. So he's just, I mean, this dude just is out of fucks to give, right? Yeah, he has no fucks to give okay. whatsoever. All right. Now that he was in a position of power, he decided to go after old enemies. He called John Dooling, who was a New York assistant DA who had helped with uh, the murder trial. And Dooling, uh, quote, said... Today he called me up on the phone and said he was now at the Department of Justice and used foul and indecent language towards me and told me he would get me. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, my God. Burns was told... Should have tweeted at him. <laughs> Burns was told of the phone call and defended Gaston. No one really knows... Uh, what Burns and Gaston's relationship was or why he brought Gaston to work for the Bureau, since it could obviously backfire, but Burns always protected Gaston. But Gaston had lit too many fires, and after a year on the job, he was placed on suspension. While on suspension, he worked as a customs agent for the Treasury Department. How is that possible? I don't fucking know. Truly. Like, I just don't know what's happening. I don't understand. Like, how do you even... Yeah, you're the worst. Want to help with customs? Yeah. <laughs> yep. He also somehow managed to keep his physical office at the bureau. So he's suspended, but he's got his office. So he's he's going into the office. That's awkward. But he's not working. Just hanging out. This made other bureau offers furious. Yeah. There. So <laughs> it is the dude who's like, "Hey, I graduated four years ago. How's high school?" Cool. So he just, now, this situation just gives him more time to work on all his schemes. So to That's get what him, he needed. Yeah. To get him out of the office, the other agents, uh, so the other agents wouldn't be upset, Burns sent Gaston to New York City in the spring of 1922. So he promoted him, basically. Yeah, he just kind of got him out of there. Cool. So Gaston started commuting between New York and D.C., and then he started convincing bootleggers that he had powerful friends in D.C. and started getting bribes for something he could not help with. <laughs> According to his wife, uh, by October 1922, quote, Gasson was hand in glove with the bootleggers. She said in just October, he got 5K from one, 11,500 from another, and 13,000 from a third. Oh, my God. And those were only the ones she knew about. <laughs> One bootlegging group refused Gaston's shakedown, so he actually did his job and helped bring them down. <laughs> and he took down one of the biggest bootlegging rings in New York City that serviced the Astors and Vanderbilts. 
Because he was like, you got to employ me. <laughs> you should have paid me, guys. Come on. And what you're doing is illegal, by the way. And I'd have loved a piece of it, but thank you. Anderson Cooper's still mad. Yeah. <laughs> In D.C., Gaston moved his family to a giant Georgetown mansion with three servants and a chauffeur-driven limousine. That's fucking, four servants. He's a fucking customs agent. Yeah, I mean, and a, limo- a limousine driver. Yeah. That is the, that's always been, even in, like, movies you watch, I'm always like, that guy's life is just so much downtime. Need a ride? No. <laughs> Can I take the white glove? Okay. Need a... Mm. Yeah, but could you imagine just rolling up to the Bureau of Investigation? Hey, how you doing? Everything's on the up and up. Yeah, that's my, li- that's my limo. You, you don't have one? Oh, you, don't, you know what happened to the last guy? He threw an axe in his back from 100 feet away. <laughs> hey, you've heard it a billion times. So he kept spinning himself as the ultimate fix-it man to all the criminals. I got this. He would tell them he was close to men like Attorney General Doherty, even though he had only met him once. Sure. He also said he had the ear of the Secretary of the Treasury, Andrew Mellon, who he had never met. Uh-huh. Also, it's weird that a big, rich Wall Street guy would be Secretary of the Treasury in the lead-up to the Great Depression, but... <laughs> Thank God we figured that out, right? Yeah. It does seem weird. Gaston approached Edward Solomon, who was president of a Chicago drug company. The company had just lost its permits to sell alcohol-based products. Okay. Gaston Such as said, everything? What? Such as everything? Well, not everything has, but they, you know, back then, probably a lot of alcohol and products. Yeah. But not everything, but yeah. most. Gaston said for the eight grand, uh, for eight grand, he could, he could turn that shit around. Sure. Gaston would show... Solomon forged papers to make it there seem like the approval process was moving along. Everything's on the up and up. Look at, Look at that. That all, got signed. All in my handwriting. Clearly, someone, this is not left-handed writing, I'll tell you that much. I, I don't know much, but this guy's on the up and yep. Saying he was close friends with the president, Gaston then offered Solomon the job of prohibition director for Illinois for a cool $50,000. Who is this guy? <laughs> What is he, how does he do it? Does he have like a watch that he's just letting people look at? People are just fucking stupid. But this, this is a, this, we're talking about like, he's hitting like the the odds of this amount of stupid people. <laughs> like this guy, this, he should be in Vegas. He's like the log on the Apollo. This is who we should be rubbing. <laughs> Solomon was thrilled. He, he now would be able to manufacture and distribute alcohol any way he wanted. Solomon then sold his interest in the company and hired a few assistants in preparation for his new job that was never going to happen. Talk about manifesting. <laughs> I mean, screw vision boards. This I mean, guy's like, I'm putting a team together for a job I'm not getting. Yeah, here at BS Corps, we like to keep things tight. But, I mean, as a guy who is the president of a fucking company, wait till you get the job, dude. Many, <laughs> like, many things to wait on. Yeah. Gaston had a guy who handled all the payoff cash, and he was actually uh, dumb enough one day to sign a receipt for a bribe. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> so he's got like a book bookmaker that, guy. That's when you know you're getting like overbribed. Sure. What do you need? Oh, we just fill out the paperwork here. What do you need? Social? Yeah. And if you could just make the check out to me, just because that's so much easier for me. That's funny. So this guy. Uh, so that guy realized he's getting uh, screwed, the guy who, who made the bribe. And in February 1923, he, the, he brought the receipt and other evidence to the Justice Department. In, in a trunk. In a trunk. <laughs> Around this time, Gaston also had a lawyer named Thomas Felden who would negotiate the amount of bribes with the guys who were getting bribes. This is so public. Felden and Gaston also had a side business in which they sold glass coffins through the mail. What the uh, fuck? <laughs> what? Delivery's already a nightmare now! Which wasn't... Glass coffins! Which wasn't real. They would just take ads out for glass coffins and then never... And then just s- send a bunch of glass? <laughs> and then Shattered ne- glass? Now just- the delivery guy screwed you. <laughs> they would just never send anything. I guess a body would just be waiting around. By the way... I think I want to be put in a glass coffin. <laughs> That's how they get you. And I want to be buried with clear soil. <laughs> I just want to be put under glass. I want to be like a David so Blaine this is, experiment. this is a glass coffin. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, all right. But it'll still be a fun run. <laughs> oh, he got crushed. Uh, now, Burns could no longer protect Gaston as more and more information about all of his activities surfaced in both Justice Department investigations and now the press is on to him. So finally, Attorney General Doherty hired a special counsel to prosecute Gaston Means. Okay. The, uh, Boy, we're really... Indictments were brought against Felden and Gaston in October 1923. Over 100 charges were filed against Gaston. Did they bring him in in a trunk? <laughs> in a great... Oh, well, this one's full of shit. That's weird. How yours had nothing and ours has everything. Crazy. Gaston somehow managed to stall the prosecution for the rest of the year. Wow. And in that time, he started fabricating diaries from the past several years that placed him in faraway locations from all the crimes. He's... It was so much work, he hired two stenographers. (laughs) And by the way, you guys shut the fuck up about this. We shut the fuck up about this. Don't write that down. Do not write that down. No, I'm saying that this part, I don't want anyone to know. Nobody should know this part. God damn it, stop. Damn it, stop it. Anything else? <laughs> so he's just... I mean, oh, what fun it must be. Well, finally, drink lava from a volcano. <laughs> Take that bucket list. <laughs> then Tamed an elephant who's now my best friend today in Hawaii. I mean... <laughs> then President... Guess Harding. who can hold his breath for nine minutes? This guy. What does that have to do with whether or not you did a crime? <laughs> but still, yeah, but isn't he, he's writing like alibis, right? Yeah, but what, your breath holding isn't going to help you. No, the whole thing is you just create the best life ever. You just lie about it. I think it's called a blog. <laughs> <laughs> so President Harding suddenly dies in August 1923. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I get emotional. Calvin Coolidge became president and quickly reports of insane corruption started coming out. Senator Burton Wheeler of Montana was convinced Attorney General Doherty had profited 
and he started an investigation into the attorney general. Okay. Of course, the senator thought he had the perfect witness to all these crimes. And who would that be, Dave? Gaston Means. Here we go. (laughs) Gaston. His last name should be bullshit, because then it's like Gaston Means bullshit. Gaston said he had tons of records. Oh. And other evidence of I'm all... I'm like a jukebox. <laughs> of all the horrible corruption of the Justice Department. At the same time, the special prosecutor went into high gear to try to take Gaston down first. Mm-hmm. On the eve of the Wheeler hearings, Gaston went to Attorney General Doherty and tried to make a deal. He said he would not testify if his prosecution was ended. <laughs> Again, Doherty told him to go fuck himself. There we go. All right. Finally, a hero emerged. The next day, Gasson rolled into Congress and said he had a huge file of all the terrible acts being committed by the government. <laughs> it's in this box that I'm about to saw in half. He, had, he said he'd just been forced to be a bag man, man for a all bat the... Man? A bag man? Bad not a bag man, I was going to say. Gasson implicated President Harding, Attorney General Doherty, and the uh, Secretary of Treasury, Mellon. He threw in some old friends for, for a fact. Sure. <laughs> he just tossed a bunch... He just sure. tossed guys sure. he knew sure. back in the day sure. under the bus for no fucking reason. Right, fine. Also, uh, Larry uh, stole some things. <laughs> Uh, and Larry's whole family actually did yeah, a bunch of all, stuff. All the Larrys. <laughs> Larry's their last name. But I'm obviously Larry Larry. <laughs> is this my other brother, Larry? Okay. Of course, he was asked for proof and said he would return with it the next day. I'll be right back, smoke bomb. But when he came back the next day, he didn't have the documents. What? He said... What happened? The night before... Oh, no. Two sergeant-at-arms... No! No, Dave! He's been through enough! ...had come to his home... No! What? ...with an order signed by Senator Wheeler, and they took all the documents. Oh, my God. Lightning does strike thrice. He then showed the Senate committee the order, which was clearly forged. By whom? Gaston, as they looked at it and said it was a forgery, Gaston leapt up from his chair and yelled, quote, Forgery! I've been tried by my enemies! I'll run them down if it's the last thing I do! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Unfortunately... Talk about fume running. It's insane. Unfortunately, as the committee continued to investigate, all they found were more crimes committed by Gaston. He was then indicted for perjury and put on trial. His defense was to make the Justice Department and Harding's administration so rife with corruption that he would just seem like a cog in the machine. Uh But he was found guilty of assorted charges. He got a two-year prison sentence and a $10,000 fine. Jesus. Two years. He appealed. He's upset about that? And he was free until the appeal was heard. Oh, boy. The special prosecutor continued preparing other cases against him. Under pressure, the guy who handled the bribes for Gaston, who gave the receipt, flipped and became a Justice Department snitch. Okay. Gaston headed back to North Carolina. (laughs) Time for a recharge. (laughs) 
And we got there, and they, they wanted him to come back, and he said he was too ill to travel. Okay, sure. But in January 1925, he was arrested and taken to New York City and tried. And again, he was found guilty and given another two-year sentence. Well, what's he being found and guilty of? It's at this like point? fucking it's just all, like all these things and, are just following. Yeah, it. it's right. fraud and all this right, shit. Right. And, okay. Yeah. At that point, Gaston asked to see investigators from the Justice Department because he apparently had information <laughs> on Senator Wheeler. Well, well, well. He told them Wheeler intended to make a Senator Robert La Follette president by attacking Attorney General Doherty, and then he said both senators were communists. Well, all right. <laughs> End big. Close big. Always close Strangely, big. this did not work. Really? On May 1925, he was sent to the federal penitentiary in Atlanta, Georgia. His wife got a teaching job in Concord, North Carolina, where she managed to care for herself and her son, Billy. Gaston thrived in prison. (laughs) He became the warden's personal spy. What? Oh, no. No. He was released a few times to testify in Justice Department cases, and he even spent a month in, a ni- in 1926 in a Park Avenue apartment in what? New York City. What? How a month? It's a trial. He's just there made offing? Tr- there was a trial on, and he's like, all right, I'll do it if you put me up in a sweet well, Park Avenue. I okay. want to be able to see everything I'm going to miss. <laughs> in 1927, other cases pending against him were dropped because of pleas from his family. Well, he... While he was in prison, Gasson became friends with a freelance writer and the wife of a prominent evangelist who was doing a story on the prison. Oh, boy. She was interested in his story and agreed to write it for him. No, no, no. On no, 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 July no. 19th... God's not posting bail, is he? <laughs> on July 19th, 1928, he was released from prison and returned to North Carolina. He was asked by a reporter what he planned to do in the future, and Gaston replied, quote, anyone I can. Oh, old Gasty. Someone's out of jail. (laughs) In uh, the spring of 1930, his book was published. I'm ready to fuck. Titled, The Strange Death of President Harding. (laughs) You gotta stop digging around there. Walk away, man. In it, he claimed to have been hired by Harding's wife to look into all of Harding's uh, fucking of other ladies. This is why he said the government prosecuted him. He also went on to say that Harding's wife had poisoned Harding. Jeez, again, he buries the lead. It became an immediate bestseller. Oh, good Lord. Of course. The writer repudiated the book in November 1931, but it had no effect. It still sold. Oh, boy. Of course. Gaston uh-huh. then met... Oh, boy. ...and convinced Ralph M. Easley of the National Civic Federation... Uh, who was obsessed with rooting out criminals. Gaston convinced him that he was the man for the job of helping finding 
I'm sorry, communists, rooting out communists. So Gaston convinces this guy that he can root out the communists. That Gaston can root out the yeah. communists, right. Of course, why not? He's got everything else going for him. Uh, Gaston produced a trunk full of documents. Oh. <laughs> I mean, when it, they better, there they better be something in this one. <laughs> Uh, the doc inside were documents about communist activity in the U.S. All right. Easily paid Gaston twenty five thousand for the truck. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like just for a short well, the story. If the fucking magic trunk shit works, yeah. keep doing it. I know. We should start doing. It doesn't. Why can't we start doing that more? Oh. I've got some interesting stuff, but she goes, "No, no." <laughs> In February 1930, Gaston was traveling around the country on Easley's dime looking for communists. He somehow managed to smuggle 4,000 in gold out of Mexico. Sure, well, he's looking. As he drained Easley's account and, and the Federation, Easley's Federation, of about $200,000. Cool, dude. By 1931, Gaston had $100,000 in his bank account. Jesus, God. But Gaston started to suffer from depression. This is the guy who... What? You don't... If, uh, what, I mean, what is your depression? Just like, I'm the worst. <laughs> that bums me out. Huh? I just have fucked everyone over. I'm just a... I'm an asshole. All right, I'm going to get a shrimp cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his wife uh, was forced to call the police to save him from himself on more than one occasion. He was going to shoot himself in the back or of the head from 30 <laughs> yards away, you mean? <laughs> or climb into a trunk. Thank you. Thank At one you. point, he hit a cop who was trying to restrain him. Okay. Then one day, as Gaston sat in his Georgetown mansion... Mansion. ...listening to the news, he heard about... The Lindbergh baby kidnapping. Oh my god, no. No, no, no. And he came up with an idea. No, no, no. What? <laughs> Let's all agree, this should have ended ages ago. And Lord, how are we at the Lindbergh baby? <laughs> so using What's his, his ankle? <laughs> and the baby! That's Billy Corrigan. <laughs> so using connections, he met a wealthy female friend of the Lindberghs and also a Lindbergh cousin. <laughs> All right. The female, the female friend of Lindbergh's, like, I believe, was the owner of the Washington Post? Sure. Or the, or the ex-wife of whatever, one or the other. Gaston convinced the two he could recover the baby. <laughs> How, they like, told the Lindberghs who now had hope. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. It's to, this is totally fine. Just, just telling parents that their baby's alive. It's the totally only cool. What's thing is, it might not be the baby you think it was. <laughs> And if I put it in the magic trunk, <laughs> might be know. there, might be a lizard. I don't know what to tell you. This thing is just mind of its own. <laughs> the baby was in the trunk when I left. I swear to God. And now it's just a bunch of glitter. Boy, trunk of magic. <laughs> you are a monkey paw. 
<laughs> well, I can't stay mad at the magic trunk. Gaston said he needed 104th. So he's telling him that he knows how to contact the kidnappers. Just because? I don't know. I never sure. got into why he said he well, knew the kidnappers. It doesn't really matter why, But he convinced them that he He had was contact, in contact with... Right. He said he needed $104,000 for ransom to give them, and the female friend came up with it by hawking the Hope Diamond. Oh, my God. What is... Who's not... Is this a Bond movie? (laughs) I mean, listen to what you just said. That is literally the drive of James Bond in a movie. If we can't find the limbo, baby James, we might not collect the Hope Diamond either. (laughs) So... We plan on getting the Hope Diamond in exchange for the Limbo Baby. Bring it up, computer. Right here, you can see the Hope Diamond in all its glory, James. So he says he gave the money to the kidnappers, and then the kidnappers are supposed to drop the baby at a location. So the woman goes, the family friend, the kidnappers never, never came. What was their deal? They, I don't know. Well, they made a apparently deal, they're, obviously. They're, apparently, they're crooked. Oh, weird. So... He sets up a second one where she goes to a cabin, and a guy, <laughs> a guy comes, uh-huh. and he calls himself the Fox. All right, okay. And he talks for a while about, and then he leaves. Okay, without giving her a baby. <clears throat> so Gaston just wanted Gaston wanted to make it seem like, well, there's something happening. I'll pretend like there's a. Did Fox show up? That's a good sign. Even if you left, that's good. So, after that happened, Gaston said he would need another $35,000. Sure. And she would have to make the drop in El Paso, Texas. Sure, sure. At that point, she started thinking maybe something was up. Does she hate babies? It also didn't help right around that time that the baby was found dead. Uh. You know what? It's sad, but it was a fucked up baby. He's a total dick. Lindbergh was a fucking Nazi. Would have been a Nazi baby. Would have been a Nazi baby. Would you kill Hitler? Then should we kill the Lindbergh baby? (laughs) Finally, you're quantum leaping. one story about that guy who had like Hitler in his crosshairs in the war like when he was just a soldier and he was like get out of here you old scamp (laughs) (laughs) so she now goes to the FBI and tells the FBI and after all these years J. Edgar Hoover was finally able to arrest Gaston Mays don't make me root for J. Edgar Hoover And in June 1932, Gaston was found guilty of larceny after trust and sentenced to 15 years in prison. He was then uh, tried for trying to extort the 35000 And at the trial, he seemed to come to life for the press. So in the pr- when all the media is hey, on him. Hey, all right. He's like Woo, the, look at the moonwalk. Woo. He's like the frog with the, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hey, all right. <laughs> Now I'm just going to get in this truck, and he's gone. How did he... Where the hell is he? 
Newsweek, quote, he was the perfect picture of a man enjoying the crowd at his own hanging. At the trial, he claimed one of the kidnappers was the head of the Communist Party. And that the Lindbergh baby was alive and in Mexico. Oh my God, this guy. I mean, he just hasn't been caught. That's the problem. Now he's like, come on, believe my bullshit. Everything I say is magic. The Lindbergh baby bought Mexico. It's 90 now. Oh. Hang in there, baby. You got this. You sound crazy to a few, but what matters is you get through. Hey, man. Shoot the jet. I don't think this is working. Hey, hey. Fuck off. I, I got think this. we overstepped with the Lindbergh baby thing. I mean, the baby's in, they found it. So we're kind of So they fucked. think. No, it's not. Hey. It was two babies. You fucked us. Like, it was, I was three like, babies. It wasn't. No, you're thinking it of raising, you're thinking of raising Arizona. Babies. You're thinking of raising Arizona. What those quintuplets? But that is a good movie. That yeah, is a good. A I love that movie. movie. It's a great movie. Dude, the Coen Brothers when they yeah. fur like mm-hmm. there is something about the when way they, really they go there. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're probably gonna die. Obviously, we're dead. <laughs> Where is? Yep. At the trial, J. Edgar J. Edgar Hoover was there. Quote: How do you how do you like that story? Literally anybody could said, have said this in this tale. Said Gaston to Hoover. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Says to the fucking head of the FBI. How do you like that story, man? Huh? huh? Babies in Mexico? Huh? Come on, give it up. Come on. <laughs> Don't be weird. The baby's a cactus. Hoover said he had never heard a wilder yarn. All right. Well. Gaston replied, quote, well, it was a good story just the same, wasn't it? And he grinned. And then he got two more years. <laughs> and at that point, Gaston confessed to the court that he had kidnapped and killed the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> what? Even though someone had already been convicted for the crime. <laughs> so this dude just only works in huge swings? <laughs> Yeah, but this is a bad swing. Yeah. This is a crazy last ditch ever. I killed a baby! Wait, what did you do? Is it? I put it in a trunk. Wait, what? We can go get the trunk. No, someone already did that. No. Trust me. His lawyer's just like pulling on his coat. Shut the fuck up. I killed everybody who died this year. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Added them all. <laughs> uh, the federal authorities sent Gaston to the Northeastern Penitentiary in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. He was very unpopular there. And in 1934, he was transferred to the federal facility at Leavenworth, Kansas. In the summer of 1936, his application for parole was denied. By 1938, Gaston Means was in very poor health. He had lost over 40 pounds. He was transferred to the U.S. Hospital for Defective Delinquents in Missouri. <laughs> not, the old, not the old man How in prison. How great would that be, though? He was transferred to the old man in prison house. Sorry, we don't have chairs. Oh. <laughs> but I... <laughs> On December 7th, his gallbladder was removed, but his heart uh, began to fail, and he died a few days later. Was that where his gall came from? <laughs> Too sad? No, it's all right. <laughs> Too hacky? It's, I'm just sad that he died. Okay. Uh, 
His wife brought his body, body <clears throat> back to Concord, North Carolina for burial in the family plot at Oakwood Cemetery. Holy shit. Did they bury him in horse shit? <laughs> Good lord. That's one of your uh, one of your native sons. What a guy. Yeah, he seems cool. Yeah. It's sort of like evil Forrest Gump. <laughs> just picturing all these highlights. I mean, the guy's just fucking... I mean, the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> he just... I mean, talk about it. He just capped all that shit. Yeah. The fucking, I killed the Lindbergh baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fish! I don't know. <laughs> I'm done, mine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's got to came to a weird halt. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about the baby that didn't get to hear that story. Uh, the, ba- the baby, like, the baby would have totally loved it. Like, at, at the end, it came around to baby stuff. So the baby would have been like, what? And what happened to the baby? Baby got killed, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not hey, sure which baby you know we're what? talking about anymore. You know what, baby? Sometimes being a baby is not easy. Sometimes your daddy's a Nazi and someone takes you out. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Oh, but I flew, I flew across the ocean. Nobody gives a shit. What's Nazi. happening right now? All Nazi babies. Are you Gastoni? <laughs> All Nazi babies get punched. Just the weirdest platform I've heard as far. There's Nazi grown-ups we can punch. And guys, that's how we want to leave it. Thank you so much for coming out, you guys. Truly. Huh? So we will um We'll be out there in a few minutes. We'll sign posters we got for sale. They're $15. Hey, what do you want in this economy? Uh, and tr- truly, thank you so much for coming out. This was a fucking blast. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. 
Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 